What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day, free on all platforms, Monday through Friday, coming at you every single weekday. So start your days with it and tell your friends to do the same. Make it your first listen. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, I have gone to the rumor mill and bathed my hands in the healing waters of NBA trade rumors. I'm going to come bring you the latest from around the league, the latest scuttlebutt, the latest whispers happening ahead of the trade deadline. We're about three weeks out from the NBA's February 9th trade deadline. I want to talk about why there may or may not be a bunch of movement ahead of ahead of this deadline. Um, that We will discuss that in the second segment. And then the Blazers uh, kick off a six-game homestand on Thursday. We've been talking about this January being a chance to take advantage of a soft schedule. It's here. It's 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 no longer hypothetical. It's it's here. We'll we'll talk about that final homestand of January to close the show. Let's let let us start with the full Brian Windhorst fingers. Let us start. If you're watching on YouTube, you got to see me do the full windy. Uh, if you're listening on the audio, just imagine Brian Windhorst doing that. Now, why would they do that face? Um, let's let's start with the latest rumors. Um, this is like to me. This is important. Let me just like a little nerd caveat up top. To me, who reports it is important. I think to the general public, it is less important. But, um, you know, I used to be a full-time journalist as my profession, and who got the scoop matters in that world. Journalists are really self-important and annoying. So I'm going to try to do my best to give credit to the people who, who did, the, did the real reporting, because the real reporting is kind of like um, what fuels the whole NBA ecosystem, allows me to do this podcast, yada, yada, yada. So first, Jared Weiss of The Athletic reported today in the athletic that the asking price the you know the Boston Celtics their championship level team they're you know kicking around um, how they can upgrade upgrade the roster and reportedly within that reporting that you can read on the athletic the asking price from the San Antonio Spurs for big man Jakob Pertl is two first round picks that's a lot Jakob Pertl is really good I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jakob Pertl underrated passer excellent rebounder excellent rim protector um, has a lot of moves and some good touch right around the rim Two first-round picks for him is a bunch, but that's the asking price for the Spurs, who are um, after it to be bad. And if a team wants Pirtle, who's you know long been thought of as a guy who's absolutely going to have a change of scenery, for right now, the asking price is two firsts. Speaking of a long-rumored uh, player who could be on the market, James Edwards at The Athletic, a Detroit Pistons beat reporter, uh, last week, late, late last week, reported that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is um, available, and there's teams that have been asking. Um, pretty much every team with playoff aspirations has at least called, if not championship-level aspirations, has at least called to say, hey, what's it going to take to get a bogey out of Detroit? Um, Bogdanovich has been awesome. Career year um, is just, it, it, dude's a bucket. He was a bucket in Utah. He was a, heck, he was a bucket in Indiana. But, like, he's been really good for a bad Pistons team. He's way older than their core. It's like, hey, this doesn't this doesn't fit with the rest of the roster. Except, like, he, he could just be on their team next year and it wouldn't be a big deal. But, uh, reportedly, according to James Edwards, at a minimum, the price for, Boy, for Boyan Bogdanovich is an unprotected first-round pick. No protections on that bad boy. Make the salary work to get Boyan unprotected first round pick that seems to be a theme with these bad teams they want just the picks to make it happen no protections on the picks no maybes no nothing for 
un, unprotected first round picks, give it up. Uh, Mark Stein, who has been really, really making it happen with um, a trade rumor reporting over at his newsletter, The Stein Line, uh, available on Substack by subscription, reports that Cam Reddish, um, former number 10 overall pick, traded to the Knicks, kind of never found a position with the, with the Knicks, is on the block. It could be traded for second round draft compensation. Obviously, you're going to have to make the salary work. Cam Reddish makes about six, seven million dollars a year, but second round draft compensation. Reddish is mostly like a theoretically good player. He was a pretty good defender as a young player with the Hawks. He just hasn't been able to find a role with the Knicks. Um, there's a chance that there's still a good player in there, and for a second round pick, probably worth kicking the tires. Uh, for the Blazers' purposes, probably not my preferred choice, but I, he's like... I, I think he's not very good. Um, it would be my guess is that like not working out in two stops prior to the end of your rookie contract is like an indicator that you're not very good. Um, if two teams guess right or two teams believe something, it might be right. I uh, kind of got to trust NBA folks on this sometimes, but certainly a you know highly recruited high school player. Um, yeah, this is probably a probably NBA talent, at least NBA wing size in there would be curious to kick the tires if the if the price is right. According to Stein, Dallas, Milwaukee, and the Los Angeles Lakers have all um, asked about, um, inquired about, um, inquired about acquiring Cam Reddish from the Knicks. If Cam Reddish ends up a Maverick, that'd be pretty fun because Cam Reddish was, of course, the extra pick that the Hawks traded in the Luka Doncic for a Trey Young swap. With that extra pick, they took Cam Reddish. Um, that would be really, really something. Um, also, according to Stein, is that the Clippers have some interest in in Michael Conley, as long as we're continuing our trend of, of players who many thought at the beginning of the season absolutely would have new homes. 34-year-old Michael Conley with, with the Utah Jazz. I think it was assumed early on as the Jazz were going to tear it down. Then they've been kind of good, so they've been hesitant to tear it down. Uh, the Clippers, who sort of don't have a point guard except the thing that they don't need is a point guard but maybe they think they need a point guard what they need is more people who can drive to the rim not sure mike conley's that although he's still pretty crafty and talented um although he's certainly removed from his from his peak 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 of of, of his talents but st uh, still pretty darn solid as far as 34 year old point guards go clippers have expressed interest in michael conley the jazz for their troubles still on the trade market and they have expressed interest in the long rumored to be traded john collins it is closing in on th three years maybe of, of the john collins being on the trade block atlanta hawks power forward um who was at once like a budding all-star type player got a giant contract and has just turned out to be like a okay starting level ish forward um you know big i think is probably a better way to describe his his position he's like a a pr pretty good big man who's paid like better than he is. Uh, but the Jazz have expressed interest in John Collins and Mark Stein floated the idea that um, there could be a three-team trade. I believe there was an idea. This is like some reporting that there's been some sort of mixing and matching among some teams that a reported three-team, sort of the bones of a three-team deal that could send John Collins to Utah, could send Malik Beasley to Cleveland, and then the sort of obvious salary match for Cleveland in that scenario would be Karis LeVert, although there is some stalling on the Jazz side because they want draft compensation for taking on John Collins's big contract because Atlanta is desperate to get off him. That's the theme. Teams want draft compensation. They want they want first rounders to make it happen. Other other scuttlebutt out there, Yahoo's Jake Fisher uh, reported that Miami has expressed interest in uh, D'Angelo Russell. Um, 
Jake Fisher had a great story with D'Angelo Russell. It was basically just like, if you like, you can trade me if you want, but it's your like you're screwing it up if you can't take advantage of my talent. Like an incredible quote. There's a swearing in there that I've edited out, but like incredible quote from D'Lo. Good reporting from Jake Fisher. The Heat have at least looked into what that might, what a trade for D'Angelo Russell might look like. If you're trading for D'Lo and the Miami Heat, the money that works and the obvious trade like obvious trade sort of um, chip that you would have to include to make it work is Kyle Lowry. The question is, would Minnesota want Kyle Lowry who still has more money left on his deal and is older and has aged, you know, he's just gotten older. Would that, would they, would that be something they're interested in depending on kind of where they're at and the make the playoff cycle of their, of, of their, uh, of their pursuit of, of a postseason berth. But th- that's, um, you know, Danzo Russell is another name that's sort of people thought could be moved because he's just, he's not long for Minnesota one way or the other. And Shamstrani of the athletic, uh, has reported, reported today, um, that's on Wednesday, January 18th. You were listening to Thursday, January 19th show, but Shams reported today that the wizards are shopping, Rui Hachimura for Rui Hachimura, former lottery pick. Um, I like Rui as like a bench piece. I think he can score. I don't think he can really do anything else, but scoring is the most important skill in the league. I think he's pretty decent at scoring on his own. Um, at some point, he'll learn about teammates and passing, but for now, he's the dude who looks at the rim when he gets the ball. That reporting from Shams tracks with something that Mark Stein had previously reported is that the Wizards maybe not interested in trading Kyle Kuzma, another name that people thought Kuzma's entering free agency this summer. Uh, and and, and the, the sort of prevailing wisdom was that um, Kuzma would get moved, right? The, the Wizards would move him for something as opposed to fear losing him in free agency. But the Wizards maybe will trade Rui Hachimura, and, or at least considering trading Rui Hachimura, clearing up that forward room and allowing them to keep Kyle Kuzma. That is your latest scuttlebutt, your latest whispers, your latest rumors from the mill in the league. What I want to do in the second segment is talk about why this might be a quieter trade deadline than... Certainly, I had hoped. You had hoped. Who doesn't love trades? Let's talk about that in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. It is the protein bar that I have been enjoying in my own home for closing it on three years, telling you about it on the program for basically all of that time. I like them because they're sweet, covered in 100% chocolate, but they still pack a punch. On average, 17 grams of protein and 130 calories and just four net carbs. But in the past... This was an online-only product available at Build.com, but now the great news is you can go buy them at Walmart and Sam's Clubs. Yes, indeed, the retailers owned by the Walden family, Walmart and Sam's Club, are selling Built Bars now. So you can go buy a four-pack, find out if the cookies and cream bars I've been telling you about for years are really that good, and if you really enjoy them or you want to try other flavors, you can go back to the local Walmart and purchase a 13-pack box, the big box of Built Bars, find out what you like, get more from there. Listen, they taste great. They pack a punch. Find out if I've been telling the truth all these years. Go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and check out Built Bar. All right. So we we have reported all of the all of the butt that has been scuttled across the league. All of the whispers, all of the rumors, um, whatever your preferred trade chatter euphemism is. I guess I didn't do the chatter. Um, let's call it chatter. I, t- I chatted the chatter in the first segment. Uh, I, I want to talk about what this trade deadline might look like. Um, one thing is, like I didn't mention the Portland Trailblazers. I think they are going to make a move. 
The thing is, I don't think they're going to make a big splash. Joe Cronin basically has said as much that like the big trade probably won't come at the trade deadline. It doesn't really make sense to punt on the Damian Lord and Free Simons pairing after 50 games. Probably doesn't make sense to punt midseason. All of all of these obvious things. Like if they're going to make the big trade, it probably makes more sense to do it in the summertime. Something I've said on the podcast, something Joe Cronin has basically out and out said. Um, he made an appearance on the Jack Ramsey's podcast very early in the season and essentially said we're going to make a trade in the summer. But he also said we are we we got to make we are unfinished like the moves are coming. I think the Blazers are going to make a trade. Small albeit small, you know, whether it's Justice Winslow or a Josh Hart type of of, you know, wing that's entering free agency this summer that the Blazers need to flip or if it's a young guy at the end of the bench like Keon um or whatever it might be. Like the Blazers are $67,000 from the tax line. They are not going to make a like a sort of mid-level trade, a low-level trade, and go into the tax. So they're going to save money, but they don't need to get out of the tax, which helps them. They just need to not take on more money than they send out. I assume the Blazers will do something. They're going to do something. I, I, I'm, I would put it at like 99% chance, uh, maybe higher. We'll, we'll say 99, though. They're going to do something. Some They will make a move at the trade deadline. I am just, I'm certain of it based on the public comments from the guy who makes the trade calls i don't know if he makes the trade calls from the lead decision maker in the blazers front office joe cronin but i'm not sure there's big fireworks coming around the league um all of sort of the reporting suggests that like the asking price remains high two first round picks for Jakob purdle an unprotected a fully unprotected uh, first round pick for boyan bogdanovich uh you know if you're going to trade John Collins, you got to attach a pick to him to send him out. Like it's it, the ask remains high for even the most obvious sort of trade chips. The, you know, the Pacers have been holding on to Miles Turner and refusing to trade him to the Lakers unless they include two first round picks in the deal. Like it's it's the ask remains high, and I think in part that is because of the Rudy Gobert trade. When the when the T Wolves traded for Rudy Gobert, they they overpaid, and because they overpaid, everyone else says, okay, if Rudy Gobert is worth five first round picks or like swaps and picks right if he's if, if if it's five picks changing hands in the deal my guy's worth two like he's not rudy gobert rudy gobert is one of the best defenders of his generation um you know three-time defensive player of the year and all that like yeah he my guy isn't rudy gobert our guy isn't rudy gobert but sure if he's 40 percent of rudy gobert two draft picks period uh or un, unprotected you cannot lottery protect this pick into the future this unprotected pick because i because listen, what what the most recent big deal in the market, the splash deal in the market, that's it kind of reset or broke or however you want to phrase it, these sort of trade talks. I think the Rudy Gobert package kind of wonkied up the market a little bit. Wonkied? Is that a word I'm using on the podcast now? It wonkied up the market. Also, uh, I think in, in general, the play-in tournament where there's 10 teams that are going to have play a postseason game, if not multiple postseason games... Um, you know, it's, it, it has, there are just, it has naturally limited the market for sellers. In the past, by the time you get to the trade deadline, you know, even in the NBA where more than half the league makes the playoffs, there'd still be eight teams or whatever who are like for sure out of it, need to tear it down and get out of here. There's just a much wider swath of teams like the 13th place Los Angeles Lakers or 12th place Los Angeles Lakers who are like, no, we're about we're buyers. We're we're gonna make the playoffs. If they were twelfth in an eighteen playoff field like it used to be, they'd be like, "How the heck are we gonna get to eighth? We gotta we gotta bail. Like we gotta bail. We gotta we gotta head the other direction." 
that the play in and the, like the the tantalizing chance to make the make the postseason while finishing ninth or finishing tenth has changed the number of sellers on the market. There just aren't there just aren't not going to be just naturally less sellers, and that means less sellers then it is not it is not a great market for the, for folks looking to buy and buy cheap or buy in the middle it's like you got to pay a premium if you want to be a buyer in, in 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 that type of market because there are just so few teams that are truly selling off parts because things are different and there's few teams selling off parts because the lottery odds have been flattened uh it happened in 2019 where they 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 made the lottery odds where the top 3 teams get the same pick the same percentage chance to get the top pick and they flatten the odds behind them so there was just less incentive to be truly truly bad because the difference in one and three while it is different still because of the odd like because you can't drop out of the top three etc etc it's not as aggressive as it used to be it's not as it's not as dramatic as like we gotta get to one because four is so much worse four is worse but it's not as bad as that as it used to be and the difference between finishing seventh and ninth in the lottery is a little is enough is narrower the gap is narrower such that there is less incentive to truly bottom out. Plus, you can't fake the funk bottoming out anymore. There's no such thing as halfway crooks and tanking. You got to be bad from the beginning, like San Antonio and Houston. You got to go after it because you're not catching those teams. You can't get bad like them. It's hard. It is truly hard because of the parity in the middle of the league. If you pull the cord at, like, you know, you say, okay, we're going to truly bottom out in. At the trade deadline, you have to, or the second half of the season, you have to do something like the Blazers did last year, where they sat everybody. They started filling up the injury report with little little uh, bruises and bumps, and making sure none of their good players played. They added ten guys on hardship waivers through the end of the season. They lost twenty one of twenty three, and they still didn't get into the top five worst records in the league. Like you can't fake the funk in this era. There are no such thing as halfway crooks in this tanking era, uh, depending on which outdated reference you prefer. There, so. I think that is going to affect sort of the level of activity. And finally, there's just no obvious domino. Sometimes at the trade deadline, it's like, okay, well, once James Harden moves, all of the other teams that are holding their pieces for the James Harden stuff will get in line. Once Ben Simmons moves, th- that'll be the domino. There's no obvious domino. There's no like, okay, once, you know, there's not like if D'Angelo Russell gets traded, all of a sudden the pipes will burst, right? It, there isn't, there doesn't seem to be that necessarily. Some trade will happen. It will set the sort of, asking price, reset the market, et cetera, et cetera. But what team wants to be the team that resets the market? Someone, some team that's like Celtics, Celtics level where it's like, we're making a deal because we believe we can win the championship in a couple months is going to be the team that has to reset the market. These sort of mid-range teams aren't going to do that. It's going to have to be a true title, true title chaser that resets the market because there's no obvious, hey, trade me, I'm stuck here, domino that's going to trade things or change things. Like, even Jay Crowder holding out from Phoenix for the entire season. He's going to end up holding out 50 games from the Suns. They're not holding out, not playing by mutual agreement, sent home and hanging out in Atlanta by mutual agreement with the team. It's like, he's going to have missed 50 games. Even a even a Jay Crowder trade that we've been waiting on since October, that's not going to, the faucet will not all of a sudden be on if they, once Jay Crowder gets traded. But at some point it will be, but there's no obvious domino. Um, no, no obvious thing that's going to break the dam that's going to sort of start it off. So, 
I don't expect major moves at the deadline based on all of the reporting. It's kind of based on the sort of logic around the league. It's going to be minor stuff. And minor stuff means that the Blazers can be involved because they're not going to be a big splash type team. But it means that there might be less action and less action is less fun for podcasters and fans and fans who are podcasters. All right, let's talk about the Blazers homestand. They play six straight games at home starting Thursday against the Philadelphia 76ers. It's now or never for them. Let's talk about that in the third segment. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Whatever that sport a- sports action is, you can find it there. The NFL playoffs, they really get rolling now that we're out of the first round into a really fun weekend ahead here in the, in the NFL if you want to get in on that action. You want to get on the NBA? It's happening every night. NHL, happening every night. Soccer, back and rolling. So you can get in on some soccer action if you're into the European soccer world. You want to bet on MLB futures? Well, we're a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting. 74 days from opening day. It's time to get in on that action as well. Tennis, you got the Australian Open rolling along. So listen, it's all there. Go to Bet Online. Take advantage today. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Okay, we talked trades, now let's talk actual Blazers basketball. They play a basketball game, Thursday, against the Philadelphia 76ers, who are good again. Joel, Joel Embiid back and healthy and playing like MVP caliber basketball. Uh, you know, James Harden kind of still running effective pick and rolls with him in the middle of the floor. Tyrese Maxey back and healthy in their eight and three since he's returned. Um, you know, the, the team, they're just good. They're, they're, they're one of the very good teams in the league An elite top five defense. Um, their offense is, is, is in the top 10. Like they're good. They're a good bat. They are just a competitive basketball team. That's a tough one. That's Thursday. It gets easier after that. Followed, following Thursday's game against Philly, Sunday against the Lakers, a back-to-back, home back-to-back, Monday against the Spurs, then next Wednesday against uh, the Utah Jazz, followed by Saturday against the Toronto Raptors, and then Monday against the Atlanta Hawks. Six games, all at home, no more road games until February. They follow that that six-game homestand with a three-gamer uh, to Memphis, Washington, and Chicago. But this this. This home set, this six, this home stand with six games at home, it's now. Uh, you know, I did a whole a whole podcast, a whole episode about how um, the schedule was soft, and in in it was explicit. I think I said it once in the episode, but like it implied there, and and implicitly and explicitly within the schedule was soft is it's a chance to take advantage, and if you don't, it's troublesome. We've reached the if part. If the Blazers do not take advantage in these games, there's no, hey, but the schedule is getting easier. Oh, on the horizon, there's there's still a chance to pick it up. They won those two games against Dallas, super shorthanded Dallas team, and it was like, listen, they snapped a five-game losing streak. They've, they haven't been very good. Like, they've played maybe six weeks of basketball just, like, without ripping off a bunch of wins. They have not been a very good basketball team for a long time. And even with all that, even with all that, they're still in the mix well, if they come out of the six-game homestand and they're not an above 500 team, I don't think we can keep saying, okay, they're in a good spot because. Because they no longer have that sort of benefit of the doubt that, they, that there's, you know, home-heavy games. Right now, the All-Star break, uh, they still play a bunch of home games, but March is super road-heavy. Um, it's gonna, it's, it, it is going to get more challenging. They've pretty much proved that they're a bad road team, um, and they are, like, 
okay at home? Well, this is a chance to be a little bit better than okay at home. Uh, I think they have to go four and two on this tr- on this homestand. Three and three is probably not good enough because you'll still end up below 500. Like I think at a minimum you have to go four and two. Let's say Thursday's game against Philly is a very hard. Like you have like a 20% chance to win. Um, I haven't looked at the like predictors or whatever, but like just off the top of my head, they call it a 20% chance to win. Seems unlikely. Then of those five remaining games, you've got to go four and one. The Lakers are not good. They're not bad, but they're not good. San Antonio, awful. You have to win that game. You lose to the Spurs. That's like a huge, huge, like siren level loss. Utah is flirting with 500. As I'm recording this game, they're still playing. So um, they're going to be, they could be 500 by the time you hear this podcast. Uh, Toronto is just beat the Blazers in a game where they took over in the fourth quarter, but they're a below 500 team. That's an absolute mess. Their defense has just totally fallen off and their offense in the half court is bad. You got to find a way to win that game. And Atlanta, um, they were losing in the fourth quarter when I hit record on this one. So they're either just below or, or just above 500, but like, they're a mediocre basketball team too. After Philly, those are all winnable games. They're also all losable games. And that's that's where it worries me for the Blazers because they just, they they have not always this year won the TCB games, won those taking care of business games. Those two losses to Oklahoma City still haunt this podcaster because that was the first two games where I was like, oh, maybe this team isn't good. Because, you know, you lose to OKC once, sure, that's a problem. You come back and lose to them a second time, that's a problem. You come back from that trip and lose to Orlando at home, okay, these are the TCB wins. These are the just beat below, beat lottery teams, beat lottery teams. And if you can't beat good teams, it doesn't matter because you'll still be in the playoffs and you'll just have the sobering reality of the playoffs when you get there. But if you can't beat lottery level teams, you can't beat teams that are, that are on the, edge of the playoffs or just out of the playoffs, which these, you know, debatably these teams, other than like everyone is edge because of the way the play in team work, play in works, except for San Antonio, the worst team in the league by a pretty fair, pretty wide margin in terms of a uh, point differential. They're super bad. They're worse. They're like notably worse than Houston. That's how bad they are. Shout out to Houston. Uh, like if you don't do it now, if you don't go four and two on this homestand and that starts with a really tough game against Philly the the optimism that I've been able to find after games where I say, you know what, even if they lose to Denver, Denver's better than them. That's okay. You just take care of business. If they don't take care of business, the optimism that I've drummed up, I feel like it really fades. This is the this is the no more if part of the schedule because it's like if they take advantage of the games in January, they'll be in a good spot. This is the if. It's here. Over the next week, um, you know, 10 days, they, they got to... They need to win these basketball games because if they don't and they're still below 500 going into that road trip and going into the All-Star break, then they're in a scramble um, and they're not talking like they're in striking distance to be a team that takes care of takes care of these games. And it's like, oh, hey, we're still a game out of fifth heading into the break. So whatever happens in the final 22 games or 24 games after the break, like we, we are in control of becoming a a team that misses the play-in or avoids the play-in rather. If they don't, they're a team, they all of a sudden switch to the other side. We are a team that's scrambling to make the play-in. Scrambling to make the play-in is not like a, it's not a failure of a year. It's kind of where I think a lot of people thought this team might be. But what it is, is a reality in which 
this team's this team didn't take this team the strides that the team seemed to make early in the season that they spent they spent most of the year regressing to the mean or below it and i think that's the frustrating part they don't have to do that we don't have to we don't have to talk about regression yet we can talk about this take advantage of these next six games put yourself in the position that you've earned to be in by 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 treading water to this point win some home games come into february or excuse me head into february rather feeling like hey we're not that bad we've won four out of our last six or five out of our last six if they really get hot we're a team that can be good and we've already played like it and then you'll have a stretch that is truly proof of concept Early in the season, the first two weeks of the year, the Blazers had a stretch, three weeks really, of the year. The Blazers had a stretch where that was proof of concept. They haven't had that since then, that 10 and 14 start. This could be a chance to say, hey, Gary Payton's back in the lineup. Nazir Little's back in the lineup. The rotations are much more similar to what they're going to be when we are, if we play postseason games. This is what we're going to look like and we're good because of the following. This six-game stretch is a chance for them to prove it. Um, starts with a really tough one on Thursday, and we will talk about that one in Friday's show. So come back for that. It's a it's a it's a daily podcast, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. So thanks for making it your first listen. How about your second listen? You listen to Locked On NBA, Locked On Game to Game NBA. It's available on the Locked On Locked On NBA feed. It's the all of the biggest games, highlights, players, performances from the uh, local experts covering their team in their market and nobody else this is why locked on special nobody else can do what we do so check out locked on nba game to game wherever you get podcasts and also on the odyssey app i appreciate you listening come back for friday's show i'll talk to you soon 